How long will it take you to get consistent sales? At what point should you switch your niche? How do you know if your SEO is working? And where do you get your research for target market and trends? And make sure you stick around to the end of the video because at the very end, I'm going to give you one of the strategies that has been the core of scaling my shop in what some people might think is a saturated niche. In today's video, we are going to cover all of that and more. But before we start, please subscribe to the channel so that you can continue to get notified when I put out a new video. So if you're new here, welcome back to my channel. My name is Dylan Jars and I'm an Etsy seller of seven years. I've sold over $1.5 million in revenue on the platform and that's over a million dollars in actual profit. My entire background is corporate e-commerce and I worked for big companies like Zappos and Zulily and now I teach over 1,200 Etsy sellers just like you how to scale their businesses to multi six figures. Some of my students are very small shops or brand new shops and some of them are huge shops that do over a million dollars a year. So in today's video, we are going to answer all of your questions that you have sent in. And these are questions I have never answered before. All right, first question, any advice on balancing two shops? I find if I focus on one shop, I completely neglect the other. My items are too different to consolidate. Thanks. Okay, I would look at your ROI. Where's the most profitable place to spend your time? When you are working on the orders for this shop, what is your average dollar per hour wage? Versus when you are working on orders for this shop, what is your average dollar per hour wage? So I not only look at where I have the most leverage, but I would also look at the trend of the business. So are you fighting, fighting, fighting to get sales in one business? And the other one is you haven't been putting much effort in, but it's kind of like taking off and getting some momentum on its own. Well, I would really lean into what is working, what the customers are telling you. For this, I would take a look at your stats. So which stats are healthier? I would start with that shop. We don't wanna start with the shop that we're trying to fix, right? We're trying to start with the shop that's working better. Get that really rolling nicely, I would honestly get right through that sprinting phase, at least maybe two to 4,000 orders in one shop so that it has momentum and you're coasting a little bit. And then I would wash, rinse, repeat and do those sprinting strategies on the other shop. But I would not try to do both at the same time. I do not see that work out very well unless both shops are in what I call the marathon phase, which is really when the momentum has already been created. How did you stay consistent with growing your shop while your kids were babies? My little one still struggles with sleep so I find some weeks I'm able to give my shop 110% and other weeks it's more like 20%. Okay, I totally understand. So when I started my shop and I really kind of was building it up, I found out we were pregnant with our first son. In our first 12 months, we did $134,000. Now he was born in the middle of that. And the other thing, he did not sleep. I never thought that I was going to lose my mind more than during that time. I now understand why they use sleep deprivation as a method of torture. I literally thought I was going to just completely lose everything. He slept only 20 minutes at a time. And I mean, I don't know how I got through it, but I wore him in the carrier, in the ergo carrier, cause that's, you know, the only way he would really sleep more than 20 minutes. And I just didn't stop moving. And I found that if I sat down, that I would become more exhausted. They're gonna grow out of this. So just see it as a short term thing. It's not forever. Cause when you think it's forever, then that's when you feel hopeless. But when you know there's an end in sight, which there is, I know it might not feel like that, but there is. Is, then you can just push through. It's just one more day, one more day. Eventually, you know, they sleep through the night. So in terms of staying consistent, it was completely by forcing myself not to sit down and to just keep pushing and to work kind of in the margins. So everything that required a hot glue gun, you know, I would do when 
he was not necessarily in my arms. And a couple other things, coffee, 100% non-negotiable. And then also, you know, hiring help when you can. Push through to get your business to a point where you can hire help. And that's such a relief when you can afford to have someone watching your child or, you know, and even in your home, right? They can be right there with you, but they're not in your arms all the time. And I recommend just starting having someone come in for three hours a day when the child is awake. The other thing I would recommend is cordless pumps. For my first child, I had that Medela pump that you had to plug into the wall and I had all these tubing and stuff all over my work table. But the glue gun, it was just a mess. It was actually a mess. And then with my second child, I got the cordless LV pump so I could like pump milk while someone else was watching him and I could move around, walk around and it was a lot easier except for if you bent over, it was like, you know, spill out. I did have to make a decision to not just only nurse my babies, but also to be pumping so that I could still give them the nutrition, but also keep working through that because I could not take 30 minutes to sit down and do it. With my workload, 30 minute break was honestly not an option. That is one other thing I want to mentioned because reality is not always as glamorous as you think it might be. It's hard work and you do it because you know your competition wouldn't and that's how you're going to win. How do you know if and when your SEO is working? So with your SEO, you're going to look at your stats. That's the really the main way to know it's working. So I would actually look at year to date stats right now because you don't just want to look at the last two weeks, 30 days. That's not going to tell you enough information. You need to look at Etsy app and other Etsy pages and Etsy search. Now the one that says Etsy marketing and SEO People think this is their SEO and they're like, wow, my SEO is terrible, but it's actually probably not that bad because Etsy marketing and SEO is offsite ads. So that is where Etsy is pushing you on their own Google ads. But with Etsy app and other Etsy pages and then Etsy search, that is where your SEO is working for you. You wanna make sure that the majority of your visits are coming from SEO. And then you also wanna be tracking the trend of your overall visits. So make sure your overall visits are increasing. If it's not, I would say there's an opportunity to improve your SEO. So that's on the macro level. You can also look at your SEO on the listing level, which I call kind of the micro level. And that is all within listing stats, but that's a lot more detailed if you're really looking to see what is going on with a specific listings SEO. And that can be for another video. How can you best sell a supply item when you're overseas and don't want to deal with shipping the item yourself? Okay, this is great. So drop shipping is essentially having someone else fulfill the order. So similar to print on demand, right? Where someone else is fulfilling the order shipping for you. So you are not shipping it, someone else is shipping it. With dropshipping, you just have to work within the parameters of what Etsy allows you to sell. So it has to be handmade, vintage, or a supply. So they consider print on demand. It's essentially dropshipping handmade items, right? Because you have your hand in the design process. With supplies, like craft supplies, they can be handmade, commercial, or vintage. They do specify that. As long as you are operating within the parameters of Etsy, you absolutely can do supplies without shipping them yourself. You just have to make sure your product fits within the parameters of what Etsy allows. How to get more sales and new mockups and my shop revenue is put on reserve. Honestly, shop revenue is put on reserve usually at least one time in a shop's life cycle. There's nothing you can really do about that. Just expect that it's gonna happen now. It's probably not gonna happen again very soon, if ever again. Just tell yourself you're getting that reserve time out of the way. Now it's totally an exception if you start violating things. But in terms of more sales, I mean, that is a loaded question. I have not seen your shop. I would definitely wanna see 
that before advising on how to get more sales in your specific shop. New mock-ups, you have so many options for mock-ups. I don't recommend just getting all of them from Placeit. I do recommend getting them from Etsy. And now, you know, even some of my students are making AI digital mock-ups. So these are mock-ups, they're not photographers, right? But these are mock-ups that they're getting from AI, putting into their shops and selling, you know, as really great mock-ups. Some of them look really good too. I would recommend getting your mock-ups from Etsy. And now with the onset of all these AI mock-ups, you'll have the opportunity to get a lot more unique mock-ups so that you don't have to have the same mock-up that, you know, all the other best sellers have. I've heard of an ad strategy that involves listing products at cost or very low in order to rack up sales and rank higher so that once ads are taken off, your product shows up higher in search results afterwards. What is your take on this strategy? So yes, this would work, but you actually don't have to use ads to do that. You can do that without using ads. And there's other ways that you can get that product in front of people. If you've seen some of my videos, you know my thoughts on Etsy ads. You have very little control over what you pay per click, over even who you're targeting with those ads. So yes, if you are someone who doesn't wanna spend any time driving traffic, you don't wanna put any time or effort into getting your product in front of people and driving some of that organic traffic yourself, then ads are one way to do it. Now, I don't think it's a good long-term strategy and it's not gonna work for every product because the effectiveness of ads can be completely different, completely different depending on what the category is and what the niche is. So for some categories, I think this could work okay. For others, it might not. And that's why I kind of recommend an overall strategy of just driving the traffic yourself and using some aggressive pricing at the same time. What tips do you have for making sure your mock-ups look realistic? I know about adjusting the transparency of the design, but how can you ensure the size of the design is scaled properly on the listing photos? So for this, you're likely having multiple different mock-ups within the same listing that are using the same design. So sometimes that design is gonna need to be shrunk down. Sometimes you'll need to make it bigger to fit the scale of the person or the mug in that picture. My recommendation here, because there's not an automated way to do this right now, I recommend practice so that you become an expert in this and you can do it with your eyes closed. Maybe not but it's intuitive. You don't even have to think and you're just gonna get really, really good. You're gonna put in the reps. You're gonna do a thousand designs and each one's gonna look slightly better and slightly more realistic. When I look at my students, you know, when they start with me, their first week on Etsy, mock-ups usually aren't good. That's totally expected. Six months in, their mock-ups are looking really good, okay? And it's because they're putting in the reps. Most people aren't willing to do that. So that's why their mock-ups stay looking unrealistic. But if you're willing to put in the reps, you absolutely will improve. Realistic looking mock-ups, I do think that is an art and if you don't don't want to spend the time doing it, hire someone to do it. There are people on Fiverr, there's VA agencies who will give you someone and just hire that out if you're not willing to put in the reps. Someone has to put in the reps to have a trained eye to do this. If it's not going to be you, you better outsource it. All right, should you put your shop on vacation mode? It's just me and I was getting a good amount of daily sales, praise God, but I ended up getting behind on orders. So I closed my shop to play catch up. So I would never recommend putting your shop on vacation mode. Instead, I would recommend extending your processing times. Now, let's say your processing times are one to three days. Well, I don't recommend going from like seven to 10 days instead. I recommend going from one to 10 days. So the range looks like one to 10 days. That is like the smoothest way to extend your processing times. And then once you start catching up, shorten it to one to nine days, then one to eight days, one to seven days until you're back and caught up. But I would never put your shop on vacation mode. The other thing you could do, if that doesn't slow things down, extending processing times, then start to raise your prices, start to pull the pricing levers. That is part of the marathon phase and perhaps 
you aren't ready for that. All right, a friend of mine was forced to remove products due to copyright infringement. How can you find out if a phrase or character is copyright prohibited before listing on Etsy? Great question. A lot of times there's things that have a copyright that you would never imagine. So the way to research this is not to go on Etsy and see if someone else is doing it. This is very high risk. You are likely going to miss something really big. Just because someone else is doing it doesn't mean it's okay. They're likely gonna get caught at some point. So you need to go online to the United States Patent and Trademark Office. And this is a website and this is where you can actually search their trademark database. It's totally free and you can do it anytime. Hi Dylan, I don't know who said what on YouTube, but is it worth pricing your digital products really low to begin with to get some sales like at $1, even though they are worth more like four to $8? Will it not hurt your brand or the image sellers have of you? Also, how many sales for low ticket items is it worth starting Pinterest to drive traffic or Etsy ads? So it doesn't matter how many listings you have to use Pinterest or to do Etsy ads. I recommend Pinterest. It's the long game, but your links are gonna stay out there forever. Pricing your digital items low, will it hurt your brand image? Well, I would take a look at what your track record looks like. So when someone comes to your shop, do you have proof that you are a trustworthy shop that delivers a high quality product and experience? Do you have an overwhelming number of reviews? Do you have a high order number under your shop name? If the answer to all of that is no, then honestly, the image of your shop couldn't really get any worse unless you just had all terrible reviews. Honestly, you know, when you are starting a new business, you have to get the positive reviews. So just like if you were a house painter and you have no reviews, you have no experience, you have no one recommending you, you need to start painting some houses for free or just at the cost of materials to really build up your portfolio and your reviews and recommendations. Same thing with Etsy. This is not the time to be worried about your brand image. Once you're a thousand orders in, maybe then start thinking about that. But absolutely, I wouldn't think about it right now. Hi Dylan, what are the best shipping methods for a product around hundred pounds? So it totally depends on where you're located in the world. If you are in the US, I do recommend UPS Ground. Currently I'm selling digital art, but I would also be interested in selling calendars, planners, journals, etc. Is this a good niche to get into as the prices can be low and how can I earn passive income from this? You're gonna have to put in a ton of action to get anywhere near passive income. So don't do it if you don't wanna put in action, first of all. But in general, calendars, planners, journals, is it a good niche or niche? That is not really the question. The question is, who are you selling these to? Are they a profitable customer with consistent spending habits? You know, you can sell calendars, planners, and journals to people who have, you know, $15 to their name. And then you could sell them to people who have, you know, 150,000 to their name. And the result's gonna be totally different. It's not about the product, it's about the customer. So the answer is, it depends. Who are you selling it to? What is the best way to get your actual visit number closer to your views number and how to increase your overall numbers on Pinterest? So Pinterest, it's really about, I mean, your SEO matters, your photos matter. You gotta have the Pinterest optimized photo for sure. Otherwise, don't even waste your time with Pinterest. Getting the visit number closer to the views, that means you have to have a really compelling value proposition, which is that combination of the price and the listing photo. If the combination of those is not the clear winner in search results, you're likely not gonna see the level of visits that you want. So focus on the value proposition, listing photo price. And note, this is not the actual value proposition because the content of the item really is the value, but the perceived value proposition is what people see when they're searching. And in search results, those are the only two things that people are seeing to compare to other listings. I'm in the sprint. Sometimes I get lots of sales, five to 10 sales a day for a week, and then literally slows to nothing for two weeks. What is happening? I think I'm on my way, it's happening, and then it stops. Well, I'm wondering, are you changing anything about the strategy? Do you get the five to 10 sales a day for like seven days and then you take off a sale? Or are you getting the five to 10 sales a day and then you slow down on the Facebook strategy? Is any variable changing? So basically what I would say, when you are in that spot, when you are getting five to 10 sales, 
sales a day, I would look at the strategies that you are currently implementing on a daily basis to see that result. And I would double down on it. I would 2X what you're doing right now. And I would do that for maybe 500 sales. And that will help cement that consistency in place. How do I price a large item eligible for free shipping when there's such a big difference in cost between shipping time zones? Set it up to be calculated shipping. So put in your zip code, the dimensions, the weight, and then just have it set up to be calculated shipping. That way you're not guessing and trying to estimate an average shipping price point. Did it happen to you that you had to call one's niche too specific or narrow so constant sales are just impossible? This actually happened with a student of mine recently. Her shop was built specifically for people who liked Anne of Green Gables and Jane Austen. And it was a very, very tight niche. And for a while, there were only about 45 items in the shop only for these types of customers. So I really recommend if you are picking a niche because it's something you're really interested in, it's like a super specific passion of yours. I honestly do not think that's the way to go. I think it's better to go a little bit broad and then to narrow it in versus to go super, super narrow. Hope you hit you know, the nail on the head and then try to expand from there. You're gonna grow so much faster. If you go a little bit wide, not as deep, you're gonna see what customers respond to and you're gonna grow a lot faster from the start. So yeah, I have seen it where it's been just too specific. Where do you get your research for target customer and market trends? So we look to Pinterest, we look to influencers, we look to YouTube, we look to you know big expensive premium brands that these people admire. We do not do our market research and trend research on Etsy since Etsy is one of the last places to get trends. Does pricing your paintings at a low price when you are a new shop attract sellers, especially when there are no reviews might send a wrong message about the quality of the painting. So I think here what matters is the anchor price actually. So what is the full price of the item if you are discounting it? Is it something that you wanna be selling at $200 but then you discount it to 20 and do 50% off so then it's you know $10 but you really wanna be selling it at 200? If you really think it's worth about 200, then you wanna make sure the anchor price, you know, before you discount anything is creating that perceived value. You gotta frame their mind with the anchor MSRP price. So one example of this is the Stanley Cup, right? You know, these are like 60 to maybe $100, depending on the model you're getting. But Stanley does a great job because they are anchoring that price pretty high. They're not coming in at, you know, $40, $30, $20, like some of the other guys. You know, even if they did a discount, let's say they did a big, closeout sale or something at the end of the season and did 60% off, 70% off, the anchor price is high enough so that the perceived value is there. So yeah, focus on your anchor price. How do you compete with digital products on Etsy that have extremely competitive prices while at the same time earning a reasonable amount of income? For example, it is not that customers do not like my products, it's that they would rather buy a digital product less than $10. I'm curious what you're selling, what digital products you're selling, because really what I would say is if 80% of the search results for XYZ digital product are sitting within the you know three to ten dollar range and you are trying to be in that 20% selling you know at the $25 range it's gonna be a little bit of an uphill battle and you better have a darn good reason for them to want to buy yours instead so you can't just have the same product two and a half times the price and expect to steal market share or like you know increase your market share you've really got to add value in some other ways if you want to be charging way more than the market leaders Maybe that's bundling. Maybe that's adding value with a quantity of pages. Maybe that's adding a service component to what you offer or a customization element to it that they're not offering. So you've got to add value in other ways. You can't just compete on price because if your product is the exact same and theirs is less expensive, you just won't win. How long did it take your store until you were having consistent sales? Let's see. It was about four months. Four months in, I was having consistent sales and it was pretty 
steady only because of my consistent actions. And now in those first four months, I wasn't having any sort of consistent sales, but my actions were extremely consistent. They were more consistent than ever in my first four months. So I wasn't seeing the results, but the consistent actions were what led to consistent results. And you gotta be thinking long-term. You can't be, I'm gonna be consistent for a month and if it doesn't work, then I'm never gonna see consistent sales. No, you've gotta be thinking not just like months, but years of consistency. Are you concerned with the bad publicity Etsy is getting due to the many shops selling non-handmade items and reselling things that aren't supplies, like Stanley straw covers from AliExpress, Timu, etc. Things like this is giving shops who do follow Etsy's policies and TOS a bad rep. With this bad publicity, do you recommend that sellers should begin to strongly consider moving to their own website strategically when the timing is right as shoppers are losing more trust shopping on Etsy? So I would not speed up the time in which you dilute your efforts and try to build up a website while also building up Etsy. I would not do that. But eventually you should have a website if you really want to build a long-term brand or even like have a saleable asset. That's something to consider. Personally, I'm not concerned about the bad publicity that Etsy's getting for, you know, non-handmade items. A lot of these shops actually are fitting within the parameters that Etsy sets. There's a lot you can do to alter something, you know, in a really big way or in a really small way that makes it fit within Etsy's parameters. Personally, I'm not that concerned. I think customers are smarter than that. They look at reviews and I think, you know, good shops that are going to see consistent high growth, they're really good at setting expectations. The shops that are just buying and reselling or drop shipping in a way that doesn't meet Etsy's guidelines, those shops typically will never see consistent growth. So I'm not concerned about it because in the end, you know, the winners rise above. I don't think it's a long-term issue to be concerned about or a reason to move your business off of Etsy. All right, when would you switch your niche? If the one that you're working on is not being profitable, I think we're asking the wrong question here. I think we should be asking, when should you switch who you're targeting? If the customers you're targeting are not profitable. And the reason I put it this way is because a niche does not guarantee there's profitable customers. So last fall in my niche, right? In my, what people might call a niche, people selling the same products as me were seeing a huge decrease in their sales. And yet my sales were increasing. So why is that? And it's really because we were targeting different customers within the same niche. So I wouldn't look at an entire niche not being profitable, but I would look at who you're targeting within that. So let's say you sell candles right? Not everyone who's buying candles is a profitable customer, right? There's people who buy dollar store candles and there's people who buy the, you know, $50 volcano candle from Anthropology. So it's not about the niche. It is about the customer. If you find that your sales are up and down, if you find that when, you know, the stock market's down, your sales are down. When you find that when inflation is up, your sales are hurting, then you might not be targeting the right people within that niche. So you can still potentially stay within that same product kind of category, but you might wanna repackage your listings with new marketing to target different people. I actually help a lot of people do this. We'll take their same product, repackage it in a new way, and we'll target a completely different audience that is much more profitable. So that's the question I would ask. And if you need help with that, just reach out. That's what I help people with. All right, I hope you enjoyed the video. If you stuck around to this point, leave a comment and say, I stayed till the end. I would love to know who watched this through and just say a personal thank you to you. All right, I'll see you guys in the next video.